Hello, everyone. I'm Mary Lynn Kinberg, host of Language on Purpose. To homestay or not to homestay? That is an important question in any language learning program. By homestay, we mean living with local native speakers or family for a more total immersion experience. To talk about her own unique homestay experience, we welcome a clinical mental health therapist working with a nonprofit in Romania. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for joining us from Romania. So great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Sarah, how in the world did you end up living in a house with three teenagers? The nonprofit that I work with here has age-appropriate programming for all of the orphan population in Cluj, which is the city where I live in Romania. And it includes a program to help the older kids transition when they age out of the orphan system. And so we wanted to add an additional apartment where an adult would live with the teenagers. The idea was to build a solid relationship with them to encourage them to stay and finish the program. Sarah, you mentioned that teenagers and adults are your niche in therapy. That's right. So it seemed like a good fit for me to live in an apartment with some teenage girls and help them ground themselves in their own identity, in work ethic, setting goals for themselves, etc., before leaving the program and living in the outside world. That would require a pretty steep level of fluency in Romanian. You can say that again. It took me a minute to realize that, but then it was really overwhelming. Learning language has not been something I've naturally gravitated towards. I've always historically identified myself as a math person. I studied French in high school, but it was just something I did to get the credit. So I came into this feeling like, gosh, is this language learning thing in this context really what I've been called to do? Could you give us some more details about your living situation? Sure. So practically, uh, we were in an apartment with three bedrooms and two bathrooms. If the program had been full, the two rooms each had two of the young adult women in it. And they shared the larger of the bathrooms. I was on the opposite side of the apartment with my own bedroom and my own bathroom. And then all of us shared the living and kitchen space. And so did you cook and eat together? That was the idea. But since we all had different schedules with work and school, family meal kind of idea, it didn't really pan out very often. We might make dinner together at the same time, and sometimes we would eat at the same time. But because part of the goal of the program is to build independence, it wasn't a great idea for you know me to be the one cooking a nightly meal. We wanted them to be able to cook for themselves. But I would have liked uh, to have been able to have more intentional time together, though. I'm interested in the practical side. Was what you had compared to what they had an issue? Did did the girls want to borrow your things? To my knowledge, this was not an issue. There were a couple of times where the girls needed a loan for a day or two for a specific purchase they needed, but they always paid me back. And a few times girls asked to borrow something, but it was something super random. Can I weigh myself on your scale? Or something insignificant. Do you have any feminine hygiene products I can have? Nothing that was particularly problematic, though. Did you have house rules or anything? 
House rules were set up by the program itself and not from within the house. Uh, There was no smoking inside. Boys couldn't stay over or in the girls' rooms. We had to make sure having friends over wouldn't interrupt or disturb our roommates, just courtesy kinds of things like that. You stayed in the apartment for how long? Just two weeks shy of one year. And that was right at the time that coronavirus hit and all of my supervisors sent me back to the States. Could you tell us a story from those first weeks after you moved in? Of course. One of the things I remember most clearly was trying to understand my role in the house for myself. A few weeks in, one of the girls had her 18th birthday, which is a big deal here. And the girls all stayed out at her party until something like five in the morning. I remember trying to sleep and feeling like, am I supposed to have checked on them? Are they dead in a ditch? Do I need to have called and told someone what's happening? And so it was the balance of this is a program for independence building with I'm still an adult in their life. And it, it was it was a pretty steep learning curve for me. I know you mentioned that dinner conversation was a really hard thing for you, for one. Yeah, frequently I would have no idea what they were talking about. They would try to give me some English keywords so I could know the theme or follow along. It was very hard for me to follow. Man, I get that about dinner conversation. Just a little story here. Eric and I lived with a Mexican family across the border in our field training. I was barely creeping along in Spanish, and those dinner conversations were absolutely awful. Random topics, different tenses, questions, different speech styles, slang. I was like, you, I had no idea what they were talking about. Pretty much all I could understand was when they looked at each other and said, ella no entiende, which means she doesn't understand. So how did you feel about your level of language when you moved in? Not good. I could say hello, thank you, common phrases like that. Before moving to Romania, I had purchased a Teach Yourself Romanian book, but it was very clearly created for business people and thus not that applicable. What was super beneficial for me living with the girls was that from the very beginning, It felt like a safe space for me to practice. They were very affirming of my attempts at using Romanian, and I appreciated that. Uh, And they would really try to understand me and prioritize conversation over perfection. I might know I was saying something wrong, but they would nod and run with it instead of getting caught up in correcting me all the time, which was a huge blessing uh, for me to be able to continue to try and move forward and build my skills. The teenagers also wanted to practice their English. So how did that work out? It was very helpful. I think like we understood each other on a different level because they knew how I felt since they were also trying to speak a language that wasn't their mother tongue. So we all tried to respond in the same way to each other's efforts in speaking one another's language. What about conflict? Did things ever get tense? How did you handle that? with teenage girls, you would expect that. But honestly, they hid this from me very well. I wasn't aware of conflicts until I was informed of them by leadership. I was not the person they sought out to help navigate any conflicts between the girls. 
I had some times when they would approach me about conflicts outside of the house, things happening at school, happening with other friends, and they would bring those things to me for conversation. But conflict between the girls within the house, I was often blindsided in the aftermath once a resolution had already occurred. I'm glad that you had that backup of the leadership to intervene. Did you also work with a language helper on the side? This last year when I was back in the States because of COVID, I did go through a language acquisition course at the Center for Intercultural Training. But prior to that, I didn't even know what a language helper was. I didn't know what that meant. And and so that was not something that I had pursued. But about a month after moving into the apartment, I did start working with a one-on-one tutor. I'm curious to know how you found a tutor and what was she like? An expat friend here actually found her on Facebook and recommended her to me. Her name was also Sarah. And she had completed a couple of classes with Claudia, who's my teacher, and commented that she seemed very organized, had a specific book that she worked through, was flexible, seemed to be very knowledgeable as well as friendly. So I decided to try her out and it ended up being an absolutely perfect thing for me. How's that, that it was absolutely perfect? She's really analytical like I am. The book that she uses is all in Romanian and follows the sequence of the guidelines of the Common European Framework. I know that the Common European Framework is traditionally used in Europe. I know in the U.S. and in my own coaching, I usually use the ACTFL guidelines. But tell us what a typical language learning session with her was like. It's about an hour over Skype. We're working off the same open shared Google Doc which serves as a sort of notebook. So both of us can write in it one after the other and see what is being written in real time. So I can write out a response to something she says if she asks a question, or I can answer book questions in the notebook and she can see what my answer is. If I don't understand something that she says to me orally, because that's where I'm weakest, then she can write it out and doesn't have to say it in English. So we're always working so that we can work on conversation, listening, and writing. The notebook also serves as notes from each session for me to look back on and study. It's really cool that while you were back in the U.S., you were still able to meet with her once a week over Skype. How did you bring back to the house what you were learning with her? As I continued working with her, I became considerably more comfortable trying to put sentences together when I was talking with the girls. Learning new verbs opened a lot of opportunities for me as well. My tutor would always say, if there are things you need to know back at the house, we can work on that specifically, which I think was one of the beauties of having a one-on-one tutor. Could you give us an example? Sure. At one point, I realized that as a therapist, I needed to know emotions, the groundwork for a therapist after all. So we had this idea of going through different emojis that represent emotions. And on Facebook, there are about 50 of them. So we used those and I was supposed to go through and translate what all of them were. Some of them were hilarious because they didn't translate very well at all. And of course, the girls didn't necessarily want to talk about emotions they wanted to talk about boys. I bet. Looking back, Sarah, what would you have done differently? 
think my strategy would have been to be more intentional in starting conversations on topics I wanted to be able to talk about. I think that the girls would have let me steer a conversation more in a certain direction. For example, I could have asked more questions. Tell me about a time when you were happy or when you were surprised. And I think they would have rolled with me. And I wish that I had more training in second language acquisition before I moved here originally. When I went back to the States, I was able to learn a lot of those skills while I was at the Center for Intercultural Training. So I know a lot more now about the language learning process than I knew then. I loved what you said about living there gave you a safe place to learn. For sure. I'm an introvert and don't like being the center of attention. Striking up conversations in the middle of the store or at a bus stop is not necessarily my natural bent. But with the girls, if I said something dumb, they may have laughed at me, but it was along with me. And they still responded and they still respected me. And there was still a conversation and a relationship there because we had enough of a relationship that it was fine to make mistakes and to laugh and then to move on. I assume that being there then gave you courage to go out in the community to places that were, shall I say, felt scarier, more risky, more uncertain, and carry on a conversation there. Yeah, for sure. I started to ask for things at the store, or at least asking if someone spoke English in Romanian as a starter um, of a conversation. Having a safe space to try some things out definitely allowed me uh, to try more things and then less safe environment with more confidence. Sarah, since your organization is no longer leasing that apartment and you're on your own now, what kind of relationship do you have with those girls? That's a complicated answer with COVID. All three of the girls have moved on from the program and are living elsewhere. There's one additional girl who was in and out of the program while I was there who is back now. And I have seen her once since returning to Romania. One of the girls is still active at the church where I attend. So I'm hopeful to catch up with her in person. I've seen her as we've been doing church virtually, but I should be able to see her in person. However, the other two, I'll need to be more intentional in the future when we're allowed to meet up at a restaurant or something to be able to interact. So I still have contact information, but obviously it's not the same, not living with them. Before you leave us, of course, I have to ask you about a super duper language blooper that you'd be willing to share with us. This is one of my favorite stories. And I, it actually happened and I wasn't even sure if it was a blooper or not. Welcome to language learning. So what happened was one evening I walked into the kitchen to make dinner and I opened the oven door. The oven was turned off and there was just this raw chicken sitting inside of it. And I knew which of the girls had been in the kitchen earlier. And so I went to her room and said what I thought was something like, do you know there's a chicken in the oven? And she just looked at me and didn't say a thing, making some nonverbal confirmation kind of thing and facial expressions. So I just left. I kept thinking, I don't know, maybe this is a cultural thing. Maybe she's like marinating it or something. What do I know? But then the next day at lunch, I happened to be in the kitchen with her when she opened the oven door 
proceeded to sigh loudly in like a bummed out manner and then threw the chicken away that was still in the oven. And I remember thinking, what did I say to her that didn't communicate? The chicken is in the oven. So what did you do? I asked my tutor if I said the chicken question correctly. She said I did say it. So I still don't know what dynamic was there. I don't know what happened or why she didn't respond. Well, sometimes in language learning, we just won't ever know. Sarah, I so appreciate you being on the show today. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I'm Mary Lynn Kindberg, and thanks for listening to Language on Purpose. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google, or of course, at languageonpurpose.org. Subscribe and you won't miss an episode. See you next time.